All right, I want to welcome everybody today. It's great to see you all, and um, it's good to have the second service back up and, and going again, and hopefully we won't have any more things happen um, with people getting sick or anything else, and we'll be able to just move right on, and, and uh, by Easter, hopefully, this will be something that's way in the past. That's, that's my hope, is it's in the rearview mirror, and we're moving on. But, um, but I want to mention a couple of things kind of going on is, is one, there's a, a budget vote. If you didn't get a, a vote for the 21, a 2021 budget, there's some paper ballots out there, and you can also do it online. The site, our, it's on our church website, so collegehighsbc.net. You can go and, and just electronically do that. And then um, that's the budget for 2021, and the, uh, the leadership team did a great job putting that together. It's, it's uh, I, really, I think, uh, functionally, it's the best budget we've ever put together as far as being able to understand it and, and all the different pieces of it being there and being made very clear. So I um, want to encourage you to look at that. There's some paper copies out there if you'd like one. And then also this Thursday night is Christmas Eve already. If, if, uh, I didn't, you know, if you didn't know that, hopefully I didn't just ruin your day. But, um, but anyway, it is Christmas Eve. And, and that would make Friday Christmas. So no pressure. Um, and uh, anyway, we are going to have our Christmas Eve service. And, and this has been something you know, for months we've been trying to figure out what, what it's going to look like. And, and, um, and so the cool part is we're going to have four options for that. So one, for those of you who are on live stream right now, that it'll be right there. Uh, nothing, nothing changes. It's exactly the same. Uh, <clears throat> two, we will have, um, of that live stream, we're going to have it outdoors as well here. There's going to be some fire pits out there, um, some hot chocolate. And so you can be out. It'll be, um, the, the, we'll have loudspeakers and everything so you can hear and you can stand outdoors and be a part of that. The sledding hills got plenty of snow for the kids and all that. Um, and then if you don't want to um, <clears throat> do that, you can do the drive-in style. So we're going to do drive-in like we did, I think the last time we did that was Easter. But we'll have that, so um, we'll, we'll have that going on. And then inside, we'll also have it in here. So we have a candlelight service in all of those different areas. And um, in here, we'll have the regular service that we normally do with uh, masks required for that. So th those are our different options. Um, hopefully, we got something for everybody. And, um, and, and so the, uh, that, that's the way it's going to look. I'm excited about that. I think it's going to be a great night, a great time as we come to celebrate Jesus and, and to celebrate the life that we have in him. And so if you come and you're going to be standing outdoors, we're going to ask that you kind of park over on the, over here in front of the building, not on the side. If you're going to do the drive-in, we'll leave that for all the drive-in people. And if you're going to be indoors to park on this side. So we'll kind of have that and we'll have people directing the parking as well when it goes in. But it's going to be a great night. I'm excited about it, excited about the opportunities that we have. And as a matter of fact, I want to encourage you to invite some people to come and, and to do that. And so we're going to do something now that we normally never do in church, but I want to say, get your phone out and turn on Facebook right now. But take out your phone, turn on Facebook. Yeah, you're going, oh my gosh, the pastor's lost it. No, <clears throat> I still don't really do Facebook hardly ever at all. Um, if you follow me, you know that because I just can't think about it. I don't even think about it. But, um, but anyway, <clears throat> turn it on there, go to our church's page and <clears throat> Then uh, as soon as you find it, I'm going to give you just a second, but we're going to have a contest. Anybody ever done a Bible drill, you know, sword drill? Oh, 
Okay, this is, this is an invite drill. Okay, so you get it. You get your phone, go in there, and we got a prize, and the prize involves coffee. So just, you know, just there. So the first one to do this. So the first one to go to the church web, website and post that Christmas Eve service that's on there on your Facebook page, you win. When you get it, raise, raise it up. Ready, go. You guys are slow. The first service. Oh, Joanna. Okay, Joanna. So, Joanna, you win. You get a College Heights mug and a Kaladi card. And if you want a different color, we'll get you one after church. Um, but, uh, and, and for those of you online, you're thinking, well, this isn't fair. I don't get to do it. If you will do the same thing and post it in the comments, we'll figure out who came first and, and we'll make sure you get your mug and card. So you can do that as well. But, um, I don't know about you, but I've already been inviting people to come and, and have had people say, you know, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be on the live stream. You have a live stream. I want to do that. So it's a great opportunity, great time to do that. It's going to be uh, a really good time for people who don't come to church to come because I will talk way less than I normally do, be a whole lot of really good music, it's going to be a great, great time, and we're going to share what Christmas is all about. So we're going to be in Isaiah 53 today, we're going to do the whole chapter there, but as we come in, Christmas is the time of year where we reflect, we reflect on the gift that God has offered to all of humanity. That, that's really what it's about, is to celebrate Jesus, to reflect on, on what he, God has done for us in him, and it's the most desperately needed gift in the history of humanity. This is, a, this is the absolute best gift ever. There will never be a gift that comes anywhere near what this is. It's a gift that heals our brokenness and sets us free from our sin. It's a time for celebration because God stepped in to our world. He clothed himself in flesh. He became a man and he took away our sin and our shame. He gives us hope for the future and strength for today it's not just something off in the distance, but it's now. It's something here, tangible, that we hold. And when we strip away the hustle and the bustle of everything in this season, everything that we have tried to make it into, and we get down to the heart of God and the need of man. That's where it comes down. Christmas is about the heart of God and the need of man and how God has done that. And Isaiah wrote about this in the 8th century B.C. So well before Jesus was ever born, Isaiah writes about this. And the picture is vivid and it's right on the mark today just as it was then. So we're going to come in there, find Isaiah chapter 53. The first thing in verses 1 through 3 is to reflect on Jesus, um, is to reflect on him. In Isaiah 53, 1 through 3, it says, Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no former majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of star sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. So as Isaiah begins this passage, it's called the Suffering Servant Passage or the Servant Songs in there in Isaiah. Um, he begins by, by saying, this is unbelievable. I mean, this is unbelievable. Who could even believe a thing like this? This is amazing. It is beyond our comprehension. Who can believe it is how he starts. And, and the, 
the Apostle John, he refers back to the same thing in his gospel in John chapter 12, verses 37 to 43. It says, though Jesus had done so many signs before them, they still did not believe in him. So the words spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore, they could not believe. For again, Isaiah said, He has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, lest they see with their eyes and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory and spoke of him. Nevertheless, many, even of the authorities, believed in him, but for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it, so that they would not be put out of the synagogue, for they love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. So the whole concept is just mind-boggling at first glance. And, and as we come in, it's, it's, um, it's, it's not how we would fix sin. This is not how we would fix the problems of humanity in our world. And, and as we come in, John, he, he writes and he says, you know, they, they, they saw it, but they didn't believe it. I mean, he was right there before them, but, but they rejected him. He did many signs, but they still chose to refuse to follow Jesus. And it says it just fulfills the word of Isaiah. And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? You know, and it goes in and it begins to talk of him and to speak of him. And it says some people saw it, some people missed it. But this is not the way that we would go about doing it. I mean, it's just, it's just not the perfection of God came in a package that was not highly esteemed. I mean, this is what Isaiah says, and, and you kind of come in, and we, we think of Jesus in very beautiful terms. I mean, when we think of Jesus, we think that Jesus was someone who, who would have been a very, very um, attractive person that you would be drawn to, that you would see, and, and Isaiah says, no, not at all, not at all. He said um, he didn't come from a wealthy home, he didn't come from privilege. He didn't come from, quote, royalty in the day. He was born out in a barn. And he was born to poor people. He was born in very, very humble and very suspicious circumstances. You see, Jesus... <clears throat> It even goes on to say it's worse. He didn't even look like a leader. He didn't even look the part. He said that um, there was no form or majesty that we should look at him. He didn't look like a king. He didn't fit the role. He didn't fit the bill of, of their culture and in the day. And it even said that um, he had no beauty, that people would even want to look at him. He was very nondescript. Very, very plain. So <clears throat> as you come in, these statements just reflect who he was and how God came to us. And it says he was rejected by his own people. He was despised because his message was contrary to the message of the day. And honestly, the message of Jesus is contrary to us. It's contrary to our message. <clears throat> you see, Jesus brought a message of grace. A message of grace and mercy. A message of 
something that was well beyond status or rule keeping or looking the right way or doing the right things. He came and met our deepest needs. As a matter of fact, if, if you go into the Gospel of John, jumping back there again, <clears throat> John tells a story about this woman in John chapter 8 who was caught in adultery. And, and, and you know, if you get into the backside of the story, you realize she, she was set up. And, and she's brought in and she's thrown there in her shame before Jesus and before all the, the, the religious leaders. And, and um, <clears throat> they, they throw her out there as a pawn to try to trap Jesus. And they say, Jesus, Moses said if anyone's caught in adultery, they should be stoned. And Jesus is quiet <clears throat> and leaves a very long pause, doodles in the dirt. And then eventually he stands up. He says, let him who is without sin cast the first stone. And all of a sudden, it's quiet. I mean, you know, if, if, if we come in here and go, okay, first one of you without sin, you get to whatever. You know, eventually, as we sit for a few minutes, everybody would leave the room. And it says that, um, it says that they did from the oldest. It began with the older people, which is, 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 has always stuck out to me. Because the older I get, the more I realize how far from God I am. Just how far I am from what he wants me to be. The more I realize how holy God is and how much work I need to do. Or maybe he needs to do in me would be a better reflection of it. So they left. And then at the end of it, it says that they all left. And in John 10, 8, 10, it says, Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. Jesus, he, he didn't say, hey, no sweat, don't worry about it. No, he said, go, I don't condemn you, but change the way that you live. He loved her. He affirmed her. And he showed her a better way. In all of it. So, so he comes up. So everything in the scriptures that these folks held dear pointed to the coming of Jesus. Everything of, of the scribes, the Pharisees, the, the leaders, the religious people, everything pointed to Jesus, but now they couldn't recognize him. And rather than relying on our own self-righteousness, we have to rely on Jesus to make us righteous. This is why they rejected him. They rejected him because he was totally contrary to the message and, and to what they were. They were relying on their own good works. They were relying on their own religiosity. They were relying on the entrapments of their religion and their faith and everything else. And they had left God a long time ago from that. And they'd made it about them. This is what I do. This is what I work. This is how I make myself right with God. This is me, 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 me. This is how I earn the favor of God. And, and honestly, it sounds good to us, doesn't it? Because we think, you know what? If I do A, B, and C, God has to do this. If I act this way, God is obligated to do this for me. If I live this way, God is obligated. If I give, God is obligated to make it even better. If I do, God does. And, and nowhere in the Bible does, does it reflect this. And Isaiah 53 really just goes out to throw it out there and says, look, this is the way that God works. He's totally contrary to you. 
He does things in ways that you um, would never imagine. And he comes in, and, and so we understand that rather than relying on our own self-righteousness, we have to rely upon Jesus to make us righteous. That's how we're made righteous. We're not made righteous on our own. It's a tough pill to swallow until we recognize that sin is a level field that we all live in, and we're all the same, and it's done the same to all of us. It completely destroys all of humanity, and it completely has infiltrated all of us. We're all stained by it until we reflect on it and recognize our helplessness and our helplessness to conquer it apart from Jesus, we'll despise and reject him as well. As long as we think we can do something on our own to get to God, as long as we think that we can earn his favor, as long as we think that our good works make us right before him, we will despise and reject Christ. We will despise and reject the message of the cross. We will despise and reject the grace of God because God and God alone makes us holy and blameless in his sight. And then the second thing is to receive the gift of salvation. So the first thing is to reflect on Jesus, reflect on what he does, reflect on his grace, reflect on his mercy, reflect on his love for us, reflect on the fact that he came in such a, a radically different way and form than we would expect. And the second thing is to receive this gift of salvation in verses four through nine. It says, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, on Jesus, the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep before it shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation who considered that he was cut off, out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. And they made his grave with the wicked and with the rich man in his death. Although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. So as we come in and we look at this, we, we see that, you know, people looked at Jesus and they said, you know, he is afflicted by God. I mean, what is wrong with this guy? There is nothing right here. And, and they did not esteem him. They looked down on him. They looked down on who he was and what he represented. And, and they give us a glimpse as we come in here. It gives us a glimpse at our need in his sacrifice. This is it. This is our need. This is what we need today, just like they needed it 2,000 years ago, just like people have needed it all the way back to the garden, that we need the grace and mercy of God. And it says that um, we're broken people in need of spiritual healing. That's, that's who we are. We are broken people who need spiritual healing. We try to fix ourselves. We try to follow the rules. When, when we can't get those rules right, we make more rules. And we add on to it. And we come in. And, and we compare ourselves to other people. You ever compare yourself to someone else to make yourself feel better? Yeah, we all do it, don't we? Have you ever compared yourself to someone who's just way, just go, man, I'm glad I'm not like them. And then Isaiah said, all of us, all of us like sheep have gone astray. He didn't say some of us. He said all of us. He said all of us are like a bunch of sheep. Sheep are stupid and they smell bad. 
And he says, that's what, that's what we've done. You know, I mean, hey, all of us, all of us. He just said, you know, you just don't get it. And he said, we've gone astray and we've all gone to our own way. We've all decided to do things our way instead of the way that God made us and designed us to live in his grace and mercy and to experience him and, and to walk with him and, and to understand that he created us in his image to know him, to reflect him, to experience him. Um, so we, we do this and we compare ourselves to others. And, and then, you know what? We give up because we can't fix ourselves. We can't fix ourselves. And that's the story of Christmas. God came to fix us. We can't fix ourselves. God, God's the one who fixes us. He's the one who makes us right. He fixes our sinful hearts. And Jesus can do it, and he's already made it possible. In John 1.12, John wrote, but to, him, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. It says, but to all who believe Jesus, who <clears throat> did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right, the privilege to become children of God. You know, to believe in the name of Jesus doesn't, doesn't mean that I believe that there was a guy named Jesus who lived 2,000 years ago. and he, that, that, That's not it. To believe means that I'm acting on it. It means that I'm staking my life on it. It means that I am stepping into him, and I am trusting him and following him. That's what it means to believe in Jesus. It's a verb. It's something that we do. In John 3.18, it says, Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. So this is where it says, but to all or whoever. So it's a message for all people as we receive and, and we look to this gift of salvation. It's for everyone. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what's happened in your life. It doesn't matter what your sins are. It, it doesn't matter what your baggage is. It doesn't matter who you're related to. It doesn't matter who your mom or daddy are. None of that stuff matters. Because the gift of Christmas is for all. It's for all. It's for everyone. It's for everyone in every place, regardless of what's there. And the gospel addresses our need for redemption. This is what this story is about. This is what this prophecy is about. It addresses our need for redemption to be made whole, to be cleansed, to be refreshed, to be made new, to give a fresh beginning, a new understanding of who we are in Christ and, and his desire for us. It's to be made whole and cleansed because our sin reeks of death and destruction. And Jesus has taken it upon himself as a sinless sacrifice. He suffered the consequences of my sin, of your sin. He took that on himself. He did it willingly, and he didn't deserve any of it. It said that he was like a lamb before its shearer. It was silent. They led him to the slaughter, and he didn't speak out. I'm guessing probably... Most, if not all of us, if we were in that situation, we whoa, whoa, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. You got the wrong guy. He didn't do it. It was wrong. He was wrongly committed, uh, convicted, false charges, everything. And he went and willingly took our sin. He did it willingly, and he didn't deserve any of it. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, Paul sums it up like this. He said, for our sake, 
He made him to be sin who you know sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God said, I will become sin for them so that they can become righteousness. You see, the gift of Christmas was destined to bear the sins of the world, die on a cross, and then conquer the grave by rising on the third day. Salvation, it's a gift from God. It is a gift from God. Christmas is a gift from God, and it's received by grace through faith. We don't earn it. We don't get good enough for it. We don't buy it. It's not just for the people who, quote, think they deserve it, because none of us deserve it. It is a gift of love from God. And the only thing that we bring to the equation is our sin and shame. The only thing that any of us have to bring to God is our sin and shame, our brokenness, our hurt, our sorrow. And when we do that, in Him, we become the righteousness of God. Isn't that beautiful? I mean, when you think about it, that, that when I come to God, I bring all of the toxicity of sin in my life and I place it there at his feet and he takes all of his holiness and righteousness and covers me in it. That's what God does in our lives. That's, that's what 2 Corinthians 5.21 is about. It says that God gave this to us. And, and so as we come in, this is an amazing, amazing gift that God has given to us. And then the final thing in verses 10 through 12 is to reveal the gift of Christmas to others. So we reflect on the gift of Jesus. We receive the gift of salvation. And we reveal the gift of Christmas to other people. In Isaiah 53, 10 through 12, it says, Yet... It was the will of the Lord to crush him. This was God's will. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous. And he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. It's amazing. He chose to do this. This was God's will. This was God's plan. It was intentional on his part. This is what Isaiah is saying. Isaiah is saying this was not a mistake. This wasn't a plan that went bad. This wasn't God came in and, and emptied himself of the privileges of deity and, and clothed himself in flesh and the limitations of the flesh. And, and in all of that, all of a sudden the plan went wrong. No, it was God's plan. It was his purpose. He didn't make a mistake. He wasn't on a rescue mission that went bad. He planned it. He planned for Jesus to die in our place. He planned planned to take our sin. He planned to take our iniquity. He planned to take our shame. He planned to make us right with him. He planned to come in and take broken man and make him whole again. And it says out of the anguish of his soul, he did it at great personal cost. He didn't do it just in some simple thing and say, here it is. No, he said, you know what? I am holy and righteous and I will punish sin. And I love you so much that I will take the punishment for your sin and I will give you my righteousness. Based, not on you, but based on me. 
And God planned it was his will for Jesus to die, to bear my sin, and to make me righteous before God. That was God's will for him to die in our place, to pay the penalty for our sin, and to make us righteous before him. In Colossians 2, 13 and 14, it says, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. Think about this. We are dead. Apart from Christ, we are dead. We are dead in our, in our, in our trespasses and in our sins and in our hardness of our hearts. God made alive together with him, having forgiven all our trespasses, all of them, all of them, past, present, and future, everything. When you come to Christ, he covers your sin. And by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross, nailing it to the cross. It's gone. It's gone forever. And, and when we come in and, and we feel like we are being condemned, that, that condemnation is not coming from God. And in Romans chapter 8, it says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. There is no condemnation in Christ. There is none. He has covered our sin and He has given us His freedom that comes from that. In Romans 5, 8, it says, God shows his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And in other words, when, when Jesus was on that cross, when he went to that cross, before he went to that cross, when, he, when God became a man, he knew every detail of my life. He knew every detail of your life. He knew every thought that you would have. He knew every cross word that you would say. He knew every hateful thing that you would do. <coughs> he knew everything that shames you today, that you're ashamed of in the past. He knew every little detail of your life. And he willingly, willingly chose like a lamb before its shear is silent to take it. God shows his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, while we were enemies of God, while we hated him, while we hated the righteousness he stood for, while we were living in our own ways, while we were trying to earn his favor, while we were trying to be good enough so that we didn't owe him anything, while we were trying to perform in his grace and mercy, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's the love of God. That is what he has shown to us. And when we know Jesus and understand the gospel, we run to him. We run to him when we're tempted. We run to him when we've sinned. We run to him when we're ashamed. We run to him because we know that he and he alone makes us whole and righteous and blameless before God. That was the whole point, to make us holy and blameless in His sight. That's what God did on the cross, to bring glory and honor to His name. And it's something that we can't do, but God has done it for us. In John three seventeen, it said, God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. God had every right to condemn us. God had every right to cast us away from Him. God had every right to turn His back on us. God had every right to tell us to go figure it out on our own. But He didn't. He came so that we might be set free from our sin and shame and made right in him. That's the gift of Christmas. The gift of Christmas is that Jesus allowed himself to be identified with the sorrow and sufferings of rebellious people. 
The rebellious people he came to save, he allowed himself to be identified with them. They hated him. He loved them. They turned away from him. He gazed out upon them. They despised him. He loved them. They rejected him. He went after them. Jesus bore our sins and placed his righteousness on us. What else could you celebrate Christmas, right? I mean, what better story? I mean, it just doesn't get any better than that. That's what Christmas is. That, that, that's it. That's the story. That's the message that, that God came. God entered into our pain. God entered into our brokenness. God came to redeem us and, and to restore us. And <clears throat> where every one of us has failed, where every one of us has failed, Jesus succeeded. Where every one of us has missed the mark, Jesus covered it. He has gained the victory. That's Christmas. That's the gift of infinite worth. That's the gift that we have the privilege of sharing with everyone in our community. That's why I had you take out your phone and get on the stupid Facebook and, and text it out to the world. For those people who look at it, I don't care about it. But I'm just telling you, there are a lot of people who do. But I just tell you, if I were you, I'd turn it off. I'd turn it off for a month, stay away from it, and your world would be a whole lot more beautiful. It'll be a lot more like Jesus and Christmas. So that's, I'll, I'll stop. I'll just stop. Now you know how I really feel about it. <clears throat> but I want to tell you something. That's the gift that we've been called to share with others. It's the gift that we plead for God to make known to those around us who haven't received Him. It's the gift we have this great privilege of sharing. It's the gift that we invest in when we give to missions, when we give at this time of year for international missions to take the gospel to people around the world, people we'll never see again, or we'll never see in our lives, but we'll see them in heaven. People who don't speak the, word, the language we speak, who don't look like us, who don't eat the foods we eat or share the culture we share or any of that. People are, who are totally different. But you know what? They got the same problem we got. It's sin. And the cure is the same. It's Jesus. And, and we give so that they can experience that gift that we've experienced. And we have the privilege of being a part of that. God gives us that opportunity. And it is the same thing that we invest in when we sit and read the Word of God as we come in and look at it. And I want to encourage you, you know, you come into this and you go, how, how do I do this and how do I reveal this gift of Christmas to other people? You do it as you learn more about this gift that you've received and you learn about it in the Word of God. You learn about it in here a little bit, but you learn about it a whole lot in the Word of God. A whole lot as you sit and read it and take it in for yourself. And I want to tell you something. If you've never read through the Word of God, make this the year that you'll do it. Make it the year you'll do it. We've got one-year Bibles. You can have them. for They're free. We buy them. The church buys them because if you'll read them, we'll pay for it. Um, that's, that's the way it is because we believe that the Word of God will, will pay bigger dividends than anything else that we could ever do as a church. When we get people into the Word of God, because the Word of God changes us. Look, I've read it for over, I've read it for over 30 years. I've been reading through, through the Bible every single year. And I want to tell you something. You would think after 30 years that I would have figured it out, right? No, I haven't. And it's not because I'm stupid. It's because the Word of God 
is infinitely wise. The Word of God is infinitely deep. The Word of God is always speaking. The Word of God is always active. The Word of God is powerful. It changes lives. And the Word of God is the way, that's the way we come and we learn about Jesus and we learn about God and we learn about the ways of God and the things of God. So dive into it, dive deep and drink deep. It'll change you. Make this the year that you do that if you've never done it. I I would tell you that that will change more than anything else that you do is reading the Word of God. Not Bible studies, not sermons, not songs, not Christian radio, none of that stuff. Look, none of it strikes a match to the Word of God. None of it. Or another way of putting it is, you don't need someone else to chew your food for you. Chew it yourself. Read it, reflect on it, share it with other people. God will do some amazing things. So as we come in and we come in to Christmas time and we come into this time of season and we come out to four or five days left, four days till Christmas Eve and four days that you have opportunities to invite people to come. I want to challenge you. Invite people to come Christmas Eve. Pray for them. Pray that God's going to do great things here because you know what? This is a great opportunity that we have. We look at all of it and everything going on. I'm excited. I'm more excited about this Christmas Eve, I think, than I've ever been about any that we've ever had. I think it's going to be great. I think it's going to be great. I think it's going to be a great time. I think that when people drive down K Beach Road who've never been in a church in their life and they see something up on the screen there and go, what in the world are those people doing on Christmas Eve? And I think that God's going to use it. I think he's going to do great things, and I think we have great opportunities. So I want to challenge you. Commit to read the Bible this year if you've never read it. Commit to being a part of what God's doing, of sharing the love of God with other people. Um, Commit to being here on Christmas Eve. Commit to whatever God wants to do in your life. If you never come to Christ, if, you, if you're at that point today and you said, you know what, I want, that's what I want. I want the righteousness of God in my life. It's really simple. You tell God that. You just in, in really simple terms. It's not, there, there aren't secret words that you say. It's just share your heart. Say, God, I know I'm wrong. I know you're right. I know that you came. I, I, I believe the story of Jesus, and I want to step into Jesus and, and let him rule my life. That's it. That's all it takes in a nutshell. Do that today right where you are. Um, Come down here. I'll help you pray, whatever it is. But um, this is the time that we do that. Let's pray. Father, we praise you because you have given us an amazing gift, an amazing opportunity, and we have the privilege of knowing you through your son, Jesus, not because we're good enough, but because you did it for us. Father, we praise you for the love that you've shown to us. Father, we praise you because your love is beyond our comprehension. And Father, we pray this morning that that we'll use this week, we'll use the opportunities that you've given to us to share the love of Christ with the people around us. And we pray that this week would be a great time, a great time of people being drawn to you and experiencing you. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand as Greg leads us?
Today at 2.45, we have a group of people who are going to go caroling. If you're members of our church community, you are a volunteer member of our church community. Fellowship is in person, so we're going to go provide some little groceries and snacks for you to carol. So you can meet at the church at 2.45, and we'll park you right there so you can get your fresh love, free love, and spirit filled with God by seeing you. This Christmas Eve at 7 p.m. is our Christmas Eve service. So if you haven't heard, we are going all out and having a variety of options so that everyone can participate at the appropriate level. So first of all, our indoor service will be social distance and masks required. Then outdoor, we will have our Alaska-style, Bethlehem-style service. So we're going to have the live feed of the indoor service projected onto the big screen outside with speakers. We'll have fire pits, hot cocoa, the sledding hill will be open for kids, and it'll just be a really fun outdoor gathering. And then, of course, you can come and park your car and participate drive-in style. We'll have it streamed on phones so you can be there without being too close in contact with folks. And, as always, we will have that live stream on Facebook and our YouTube channel if you want to watch from the comfort of your home. So we're really excited that we are able to kind of find a way that everyone can participate. I know it's a lot of options, but we think it's just finding a really good way to be together as much as possible at everyone's home. So we'll please be there, 7 o'clock, Christmas Eve. We're super excited. Our deacons have gone ahead with our proposed 2021 budget, and we're going to start voting on that. So if you would like to hop online and vote visually, you can find the form at bit.ly slash 2021 budget vote. So your box of folding, do that real quick. If you want to vote on a paper ballot, we'll have that ASAP for you as well. So you can check it out. The budget copy is listed on the church website on our Tacoma homepage. If you scroll down to the church website, it'll all say bit.ly. So there's a little bit of what we have going on. You can always find all this and more on our Facebook page or the church website. So here we go. Two really quick things. One, if you know about electricity, we need your help. Um, for some reason, the computer electricity goes off the computer every time we're switching something on in there. So if you know about it and you can fix that, we would love to have your help. If you don't know about it, please don't try to help. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, it's, it's real simple. Uh, you don't want that stuff done wrong. And then the other thing, at uh, 530 today, Set Free uh, upstairs in the Fellowship Hall, Set Free Church is going to be having their... Uh, um, uh, a potluck and then an installation service for their new pastor. So I'm going to invite, they want to invite you to come to that. So they, uh, they meet in our building here on Sunday nights. And so that's, that's going to be at six, uh, five 30 tonight. All right, be there. All right, let's close in a word of prayer. Now I want to ask Dave Klein, would you lead us?